0: What is up everyone and welcome to episode 376 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Today's installment is a recording from the Sanchez Show hosted by Eric Sanchez. Always great being on Eric's platform. A fantastic conversation. We discussed the 2022 NBA Draft, the 2022 NBA Finals, and more you can find e on instagram at legend in two games you know you can find me on instagram at one two combo let's get into
1: it what's really good and welcome back to another episode of the sanchez show as always i'm your host eric sanchez aka legend in two games shoot me a like shoot me a comment make sure you follow me across all social media platforms with that being said it is wednesday june 15th we're about a week away from the nba draft we're 24 hours from the tip off of game six so who better than, host of Combos Court, Andrew Salops to join us, talk about the upcoming draft and game six. Drew, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. It's always great talking draft. It's always great talking finals. And it's always great talking with you, a true professional such as yourself. I appreciate that, my
1: brother. And we had a great episode a couple of weeks ago. I told you then I had to bring you back right before the draft. We've done it, this is about our third straight year doing one before the draft.
0: Hey, you know, hey whenever you need me, I'm here, bro. Let's
1: go. It. Uh, with that being said, We're going to jump right into it. You and Max Van Orken host the podcast. You guys covered Orlando Magic. Obviously, they have the number one pick. You have been very high on Chet for a long time. I think even we spoke probably prior to All-Star break and you already had Chet at number one. I know you still have him at number one. Is there anything you're hearing, though, that could be a possible debate about who Orlando would go with? Or do you feel that it is Chet and that's the safest pick?
0: I think it's Chet, but I mean, there's definitely some Jabari buzz. I think Paulo definitely goes at three. But obviously, there's a lot of buzz for uh, Jabari because the Magic do need shooting, but I think they should go with best available, who, in my opinion, is Chet, and I think they will go with Chet.
1: I said fair enough. I mean, I think he has great upside. Obviously, everyone makes a big deal about his body, but he's still very young. He'll he'll fill out a little bit. Uh, do, you, do you think there's any internal discussions because he had that that relationship with Jalen Suggs. They play college. I mean, they play high school ball together. Do you think there's any of that going on where they feel like they want to pair those guys up? Do you think Jalen's even involved in any of those conversations?
0: It would help even more if Franz, if Franz was a uh, right. uh, teammate, right? But, <laughs> but I mean, so it was like an up and down season for uh, Jalen. But I definitely think that helps when you have a teammate. On the squad, another thing that usually helps if it's like a hometown guy. I mean, Chet isn't a hometown guy, but those two things could definitely help when it comes to a player getting drafted.
1: Absolutely. Now it seems like everyone's uh, pretty much in agreement about who the top three going to be. um Some people yes. have Paolo going second, but most people have it in some order: Chet, Jabari, and Paolo. Then yeah. it gets really interesting.
0: Yeah, right? I think I, I think it's destiny for Paolo to be uh, a Houston Rocket, and I like it. You know. I like it as well.
1: Do you think he's the most pro-ready guy out of the top 10 potential guys?
0: There's definitely an argument for it. Like Chet is the highest upside guy, in my opinion, but Paulo has a great chance, I think, for rookie of the year. I think he's ready. Give him the ball. He could pass. He could score in the mid-range. I'd like to see a three-point shot get a little bit less hesitant. But he has the body. He's 6'10". He has the athleticism. Even though maybe it's not top, top elite, elite athleticism, He's a really good athlete, a playmaker. Yeah, I think he's NBA ready. Obviously, the body, the strength, the length. Yeah, he has it all, and I think he has a chance for Rookie of the Year.
1: If you had to give him a player
0: comp, who would it be? Julius Randle. Mm. Okay. If I had to, you know, if I had to.
1: No, I like the comp. I, I love Julius's game, though. I'm not a fan of how it's being worked out in New York, but I, I love his game, though. Um, but number four is where it gets interesting, and you recently put out the tweet as well. <laughs> you thought... It could get dicey at number four. You have sharp at at your fourth pick, personally. A lot of mocks have Jordan Ivy, but you don't feel Jordan Ivy fits there. Why not?
0: Personally, it's close. I think they will go with Shaden Sharp because of that fit um, and the upside of shaded. But I wouldn't be mad at Jaden Ivey there because I think he's the best available. And I don't think you usually could ever go wrong when you just take the best guy. But with Sabonis and Fox there you know you might want more shooting around those two guys and jane ivy is somewhat similar to fox in a lot of ways and might not be able to play the ball play off the ball with with um with fox there because fox is the guy they're going to go forward with so it's two guys that kind of need the basketball which is not always the biggest problem but the kings might Get that fear of missing out thing with the potential of shaded sharp. So I think that's who they're going to go with there. Um, I'm not mad either way, though. I'm not mad either way.
1: How much? I think you brought up a great point when you talked about ball dominant guards and the fit around Sabonis and Fox. Sacramento, whoever they go with that for, how much of it is a product of that trade that you and I, neither one of us liked it? They traded Halliburton away for Sabonis. Halliburton, I think, is modern day NBA guard, right? A positionless guy, play the one through the three, handle, play off, ball, shoot. But now you got to build it up around Fox and you might miss out on a a potential great talent like Jordan
0: Ivey because he doesn't fit. And Sabonis is a guy you kind of have to build a roster in a certain way to make it work with Sabonis. Guys like Tyrese Halliburton and even to a higher degree, Cade Cunningham, you could go in any direction because anybody could play with those guys. Those are the type of guys you could build with and you don't necessarily have to build around.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I like Jordan Ivey a lot. And I wonder if Sacramento would, would be interested in trading out of that spot. I don't know what the trade would be, but uh, again, I agree with you. I think it's going to be tough. They got to find the right complement because they're at a point, they got to make it work with, with Aaron with De'Aaron Fox at this point, right? I mean, you make the trade to get them some help. Everything hasn't gone as smoothly as they would
0: like. Are, are we looking at another retool? Yeah, I think so. And I think Fox is so young that hopefully he'll take another leap and that's what they're betting on. I think he had like a really great season two seasons ago, and there was a little bit of dip this past season. So hopefully he can get it back and take a leap. He's really athletic. He's a smart young man, so maybe he could figure it all out and uh, be that franchise guy that could lead a team to the playoffs with Sabonis, hopefully, as his number two, who's already proved he could be an all-star. And then at number five, you you kind of
1: hinted at it too with okay, kind of Cunningham in Detroit. If Ivy's there, you feel Ivy is the fit. Uh, is, is that one of those best-case scenarios, like best landing spot?
0: Best landing spot for Jaden himself. Like, if I was him, I'd I way rather go to Detroit than the Kings and play with a guy like Cade. I mean, Cade is great in every way. And maybe the one way Cade isn't great is just having that straight burst of speed. So I think Jaden next to him compliments him so well. And he's a great leader, makes everybody around him better. And I think he'll make – uh Jaden better as well. Also, it's a better fit because Cade can play off the ball. He could play like at times like a Chris Middleton type role when he wants to, even though he's a more of a playmaker than Chris. Right. And he's more of a point guard type player, but he could definitely play off the ball with Jaden and. Just he makes everybody around him better, and I think he would make Jaden better. And I think it's a great fit to just have that like dynamic, really quick guard next to Cade. In your opinion, is this
1: is this draft deep enough where you could see a team get cute and trade out of one of those top five positions?
0: Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I think there's somewhat of a drop off after that. Oh, I think maybe like the top five and Ben, and I think after that there's a little bit of a you know drop off. As much as I like Keegan Murray and some of the other guys who are like in that area, AJ Griffin's pretty good too. Who's probably in that like five to eight area? Those guys are good, but I do think there's a drop off after. I would keep those picks.
1: What about um, a couple teams I'm interested in, in seeing what they do? Obviously, New Orleans, hmm. they made a late push. They got CJ. They make the playoffs. They had a competitive series against Phoenix, but obviously they did all that without Zion. What do you think they do at number eight um, with an opportunity again to get another young piece in there and continue their development?
0: B.I. needs the ball. CJ needs the ball. Zion needs the ball. Ben Matherin is a guy that doesn't need the ball. Catch and shoot, cut through space has the tools to be a great defender. So I would definitely go with Ben there. And I think a lot of teams are undervaluing him. And I think he's lower on, he's, I'm higher than consensus on him, as you know. So he would be a great fit there. Just the ability to play without the ball with all those, because of all those guys that actually need the basketball. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, when we look back in a redraft, I think he'll be top five.
1: Yeah. Your own record is already saying that you you, you think very highly of him. I like right. him as well. I was hoping he might be around at number 11, but you already squashed that dream. You said he won't be there. No, um, I don't think
0: so. What about the
1: team drafting at number seven, CJ McCollum's old team, Portland? Mm. They're in a tough situation. Obviously, these rumors, what would they do with Dame? Are they rebuilding around Dame? What do you think happens with that number seven pick? Are they one of those active teams trying to make a move for another piece?
0: They could, they could, make, uh, they could make a move there. If Keegan Murray is around, uh, I think... He could help with his size, you know, so I think that would be a great pick, but maybe they could trade out of it um, and try and get a piece that's more ready to play right now, even though actually Keegan's one of the guys that could possibly help a good team right now. I think he's more NBA ready than some of the other, you know, top five to seven prospects like a shaded Sharp, right? Like I think he's an older guy who's a little bit more ready to help right away. So maybe Keegan Murray or trade away. And
1: before we we talk about game six tomorrow night, give me your sleeper pick. Who's a guy you really like? You were high on Bones Highland in the past. Who's someone that you really like that no one's talking about in this draft?
0: I'll give you two guys. One's going to be a first-round pick, and one's going to be a second-round pick. I'm going to go with Nikola Jovic, not to be confused with Nikola Jokic. He's Serbian. He's 6'10". I think he actually even played for the same club as uh, Jokic did. But let's get away from that comparison because they're a little bit different. Jovic is more guard-like. His passing is the first thing that jumps off the screen. Uh, his, I mean, people say he's not a great athlete, but when I watch him play, I think he's a pretty good athlete. And the shooting, man, like he has a repeatable shooting motion, really good flow, really good energy transfer. I mean, Josh Giddy was a high draft pick this year, and if everything goes right for Jovic, I think he could be even better than Josh Giddy, even though Josh is a special, special passer, probably even a better – passer than jovich but all around jovich might be the more athletic and better player when it's all said and done wow and who's the other guy you said let's go with champagny let's go with uh, st john's queens he's a bucket getter julian could score in every which way and who doesn't like a guy that gets buckets right um the defense might be the issue and that's probably the reason why he'll be a second round pick but i love his game hey if you bring that guy to any open run He's going to get straight buckets, and I think I believe he can get buckets in the league as well. Wow. All
1: right. We got to look out for both those guys because, like I said, in the past, you've been right on uh, pretty much with every dark horse that you provided me with for the last three years. So we're going to be paying attention to them, both those guys. I want to circle back to, to the NBA Finals. Last time we spoke, we were giving our predictions before the series actually started. Here we are going into game six. It's played out kind of how we both thought. You said mm-hmm. if, it, if, it, if the refs allow it to be physical, physical and rugged. Boston has a chance. If it's free-flowing, Golden State's going to get going. We've seen that so far. What can Boston do tomorrow night to extend this series to Game 7?
0: I think they can't guard Curry the way they guard him this past game, even though it helped stop Curry. It's like when you go to the gym, right, and and they face guard you. They don't care that you score, but the other guys are playing 4-4, on and it makes it a lot easier for them. But the guy kind of messed up your run and you're not even able to play, even though your team's winning every time. So that's kind of what happened with, that's kind of what happened with Steph. Uh, They were face guarding him at times and the other guys had so much space. Uh, Wiggins had a great game. Obviously he had a great game because he was ready. It was his night. He was able to get in the mid-range. out shots he was rebounding really well but it helped it even more that he had all that space because Steph Curry was being face guarded at times Draymond benefited as well didn't have a crazy crazy stat line but I thought he had great impact and finished some layups because he had so much space one was a dump off from Steph so I wouldn't guard the Warriors in the same way uh yeah Steph will score more points if you don't guard it that way but I don't think you could win like that, and I think you have to go a little bit back to what you were doing before because maybe not as much drop coverage because Steph was killing, especially Al Horford in drop coverage, but maybe just throwing different looks right um, defensively. So I've said it all along. I thought it would be Warriors instead seven for the beginning. I thought Boston was actually the better two-way team, but the offensive peak that the Warriors could hit with Clay, Draymond, and especially Steph – makes them special and i thought it gave him the edge really close but i always had warriors at seven there's only three things that could happen now warriors at seven celtics at seven or warriors at six so it got to be one of the three so let's keep it warriors with seven and seven i had uh, yeah my original
1: prediction was six we're right on the cusp of that i think it, i think the series does end tomorrow night mm. um for me i agree with you boston I, I don't it was a little gimmicky and like you said it opened up the court for some other guys to get confidence which i thought was the biggest factor coming out of game four I thought Boston couldn't allow the other guys to get going we saw Clay shot the ball better as well the last two games Wiggins got himself going now Jordan Poole shot the ball better but Boston with the turnovers man they're just so careless with the ball yeah it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch because I agree with you I think they are the better team but they go too many possessions without getting a shot up and in turn as, as you've already highlighted when Golden State gets going, their peak offensively is far greater than what Boston can do. And I think that's why we're seeing the series play out the way it has the last couple games, man.
0: Yeah, and Tatum, man, you know, Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I I feel like it's like that with Jason Tatum, man. Like, one game he's facilitator Tatum, one game he's going too hard to get buckets, which what happened in game two, even though he was scoring it really well. So we need to see more consistency. I mean, everybody is pushing for Tatum to be a superstar. And is actually his defense has been consistent. That's been pretty good. But on offense, we've been seeing so many different things. And him and Brown have to play better for them to win it all, even though Tatum's last game, it wasn't horrible. You know, he was scoring. But he needs to uh, mix up that facilitating and bucket getting in a way that could be conducive for the Celtics to win it all. Um, But I don't think they will win it all. And Brown definitely has to play better than last game. I think Brown's actually upside is higher than Tatum in the long run. I think he's going to make another Kawhi-type leap. Needs to improve the handle, and needs to get the decision-making better. But I really like Brown's game even better than Tatum. even though oh, you, I know You've t- been early on that. Yeah, you, yeah, you,
1: yeah. You, you said that for a little while, that you thought, you yeah, thought his yeah, game yeah. was a little better.
0: I mean, Tatum, Tatum's more skilled right now, but I, I like Brown's upside better, even to this day. Let me ask you, though, because you played at a high level. You played overseas.
1: Watching Tatum, right? all the physical abilities he has don't you feel like sometimes it's kind of fool's gold when he starts knocking out a three as easily as he did in game three because then he just settles
0: speaking speaking overseas I had a coach that used to hate when our big man hit his first three because that meant he got confident and he would mm-hmm. keep shooting and he didn't want our my own teammate to shoot that many threes so he was happy when he missed the first one because he felt like he would stop shooting them so yeah I agree with you I think Tatum's at his best when he's attacking the basket. But with that said, he's been doing some, like, awkward stuff attacking the basket this series. I, like, he doesn't get, he doesn't play through contact. He kind of, like, fades away on mm-hmm. finishes. And it's been rough for him in that regard. And his two-point percentage has been really bad. I,
1: I don't understand for, for the whole Boston team, though, this passive approach they've had to go into the basket. Because Golden State doesn't have a shot blocker. Even, you know, with, with Looney on the floor, who's really the only big they play, the doesn't play like a big, they don't have any rim protection. So you would think Boston would be more aggressive, but they seem to settle all the time.
0: You know that Kobe mean? Like he's like soft. Maybe, maybe, maybe we eject that here. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that the Celtics are soft, but at times it seems like, cause it takes it a lot of toughness to win an NBA championship Correct. and it does on the toughness meter, like they weren't as tough as Miami. Miami no. a tougher team. They just happen to be way better team. No, maybe not way better, some sta- like a good amount better. But the reason why Miami was able to take that series so far because they were just a tougher team. And I don't think like the Celtics are 10 out of 10 when it comes to toughness, you know?
1: No, not, not, not even close. But I, I don't know. Sometimes, like again, I have Golden State winning the series, so it's not about me rooting for Boston. I just watch sometimes, like in the fourth quarter of the night, tatum shoots a couple air balls and then there's times he gets in a lane and he's spinning to do a fadeaway like go to the basket attack just keep attacking
0: I- yeah it's a combination of he has to get tougher and i feel like it's like over skill development where you're kind of like going to these moves you worked on for muscle memory and not really reading the game i feel like he has a little bit of that uh like over skill development feel like like he's not always playing with the flow and rhythm of the game and just taking the best possible option it's like i'm gonna do this here no matter what it, it does seem that way and like i
1: said maybe it becomes fool's gold it's like i you know i i, I can knock this down I've, I've taken the shot plenty of times and, and again he's not reading the moment reading the right. defense it's when, more about this is what right. i've done over it's here.
0: it's hard to say this like with tatum because he's he's like a star level nba player but when you see stuff like that with like lower level players i would usually tell him that you have to play more basketball And maybe take a step back from the skill development and continue with the skill development, but maybe play your sport a little bit more. Right. When you see guys like dribbling up and the courts open and they do a step back with nobody on them when they could have just pulled up for a regular, you know, three. Right. That's the kind of thing I'm thinking about. Like, are you like doing too much of this against cones and like repping this out too much and not playing your sport enough with Tatum? I mean, it's hard to say that when a guy is as elite as him, I mean, a top NBA guy, but that's usually my diagnosis to somebody when things like that are happening.
1: No, that's a great point. Sometimes guys yeah. go into a move when it doesn't require right. a
0: move. Right. Right. Like, like everybody's back. You're supposed to get like a regular pull up. Like, why are you hezy step back spin? Nobody's around you, man. Just take, take the pull up, you know? Right. Take the- <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's a great point. You're right. That's, maybe yeah. that's what it is. And, we're maybe we're overanalyzing it but it's right he, he's into you, a, a, you, a moment that he likes
0: you know there's a gift that curse with skill development and obviously there's way more gifts than curses because the players of today are just so more so much more weaponized and skilled with the basketball in their hand but once in a while we have that issue so with every good thing there's like there's sometimes a little bit of a bad thing when it comes to it and, and I'm a, like, I look like me growing up, playing, I love skill development. Like I, I, I was a gym rat. I used to work on my game all the time. So like, but sometimes you need to have the proper balance between playing your sport and skill development. I'm making this uh podcast to skill development. It's all not good. enough, not enough NBA ish. No, 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 That's fine, <laughs> man.
1: You know, we free flowing, man. We, we, we not getting into any premeditated moves. It's, it's that's whatever true. comes about. That, that's exactly. It. So there yeah, you go. to my um, own point, that was good. I if, that. if, if, if this <laughs> series does end tomorrow night, and Golden State wins. Obviously, a lot's going to be made of Steph's legacy and and the four championships. But for Boston, is this one of those that you look back and say, we really missed an opportunity? Because they've had some success in the playoffs. For as young as they are, I mean, Tatum's already played in three Eastern Conference finals. They're in the finals. At some point, you've got to feel like, and not to put the rush on them, I know they're still young, but do you feel like it's a missed opportunity because you were the better team?
0: Um... For me personally, I didn't think they were going to win this series, so I don't know about a missed opportunity, but I'm sure they'll feel that way. But if Steph goes nuclear next game, I mean, what could you really do? Like you tried the face guard thing. That didn't work because everybody else was, you know, scoring when they wanted to and Wiggins had a big game. And if you play drop coverage, he burns you. Like those guys have a lot more experience and they seem like they're playing looser and freer and the experience is really helping them. Sometimes when you have younger stars, the moment's a little bit too big for them, you know, and um, you're you play a little bit tight. So I don't know if, you know, it was like theirs to lose or anything, you know, um, but kudos to them even making it this far. Like Coach Ime as the first year head coach to get six or seven games and the series not over. They can still win, obviously. Right. But but you're saying if they lose tomorrow, like to get six games in the finals, I mean, I think the. You know, the future is bright for that team, and the future is definitely bright for him as a coach. I,
1: I agree with that. I just look at it from the standpoint of we know how quickly those opportunities fade away. Like, yeah, it's true. You, you don't, you know, th- for that a team that young to say, oh, right, we've been to three East Conference finals, like, all right, but you may not get back to another one. A lot of times that's not how it works in the game. You don't get that no, many cracks yeah. at it.
0: Yeah, to a lower level, like look at Atlanta and the Knicks. We thought they were on a nice trajectory, and now they're on a different trajectory, it seems right. like. So, Even with a team like Memphis, as much as I like Memphis, who knows if they'll go this far next season? You never know what could happen, you know? So just because you made it – just because you're young and you made it to a certain point in one season doesn't mean it automatically gets better than that the next season.
1: Right. It doesn't guarantee anything the next season. Uh, Speaking of other young players, man, Andrew Wiggins.
0: Yeah. I don't know how you feel about him. I've always liked him. Me too. We could probably – like, I have so many podcasts, I'd have to find the one that I said that it would be great for him to go to the Warriors, and I always liked his game, and I never felt he was, like, bad player. Uh, what do they say? Uh, good stats, bad team guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I never felt that about Devin Booker. I never felt that about Zach Levine. I didn't feel that about him. So I've always liked his game, and I thought it was great for the Warriors to pick him up. I thought some of the takes were outrageous about the Warriors picking him up, like when I heard them back then. So, uh, yeah, I could dig into Cobble's court somewhere. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> Praising uh, Golden State uh, getting Wiggins. I thought it was a great move then. And it's great to see him play this way.
1: Yeah, I, I think what happened was people were trying to compare it to what they once were. People were trying to compare Wiggins to, well, you had KD and now you have Wiggins. Like Obviously, you can't compare that. You can't. Oh, com- no. you, you, but that's what people were doing. Remember, the Warriors were coming off three years of KD, three years in the finals. You trade for Andrew Wiggins and it's like, oh, that's what we ended up with. But ultimately, I think what this is an example of, we talked about it in the past, about building teams the right way. This is a prime example of a young guy in the right situation, really playing up to his potential. You, you play in the wrong situation. It may not work out for you. You saw that in Minnesota. You're playing in the right situation in a good system. Now we're seeing, we're seeing why the guy was the number one overall pick.
0: And also he's the Warriors only guy that's like smack dead in his prime, right? They got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of old guys. He's the one guy that is right there at the sweet spot of age. I don't –
1: well, I, I'll say I don't know if Steph is on – the. Steph might still be on the sweet spot of it because Steph is going to be a lethal shooter no matter what.
0: Yeah, athletically, he's not right. as quick as he used to be, but he is better in certain ways. Like, he got stronger. Mm-hmm. I think the defense is better. Maybe the playmaking is even better. So, I mean, there are some skill things you can get better um, as you get older. But athletically, like, Wiggins is in his prime, and he's a great athlete. So that like like Brown and Tatum are in their prime and they're great athletes, right? They got like two of those guys, and Smart's like Smart's were around Smart's still age. very young as well. Yeah, exactly. So they got more guys like Smack Dead in their prime, and Wiggins is the only guy for the Warriors like that. So it's great to see him play well in his prime.
1: Where would you rate uh, throwing you curveballs right now? Where would you rate this Warriors dynasty if they win tomorrow? Oh, six yeah. champ- six finals appearances in eight years, four overall chips. If whether they win tomorrow, whether they win it Sunday. If they win this series, where would you rate them amongst best dynasties? It doesn't have to even be all time best dynasties you've ever seen.
0: I would have to say Celtics, Bulls, and then them, right? I don't. I mean, you know, Lakers and Spurs are obviously in the mix there, right?
1: That Spurs one is tough because that that it was that was Spurs, a different
0: type of dynasty. Spurs was over time, right? Uh, and uh, so yeah, um, I would say like early Celtics. You know, really, obviously, that was crazy, right? They were, like, winning every year. Um, it was a completely
1: that, different NBA day. To- <laughs> right.
0: I mean, Michael Michael Jordan's Bulls 6-8, and, and they had the greatest player ever. And, in my opinion, the greatest defender ever and one of the best all-around players. I
1: saw you posted that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you asked the question, who is the greatest defender? And you I, asked was-
0: Pippen. yeah i was waiting for people to say scotty i know some people i really like draymond is like a help defender and a team defender and all that stuff but i think like on the ball what scotty used to do remember what he did to magic Mm and against the lakers like he totally neutralized players um and he could guard he could really guard like all those positions that even point guards and pressure them full court with all that length and speed and his help defense was crazy so but yeah so i mean what do you think i think it's like celtics bulls and then if if the Warriors went tomorrow, it might be the Warriors. I mean, Warriors or Lakers right there, right? Uh, I've, I've
1: got the – yeah, to me, that Warriors and Spurs dynasty is pretty close, but it's tough to compare them because the Warriors did it in such a short amount of time. Whereas, like you said, the Spurs – Exactly. Because so the Spurs never won back-to-back. You yeah, know, that's why – They what, won five rings. They never I, went back-to-back. They never I, won I, a chip back-to-back. Yeah,
0: i I'd rather the condensed uh, dynasty, so – I kind Fair of love because because there was a lot of time right where they didn't win one, the Spurs, even though yeah, they were good every year.
1: I would say to me, the Bulls is number one. Bulls, Bulls, oh, that Bulls oh, run oh, over over early Celtics. Yeah, because the league was was completely different. And those were the days where you didn't have to deal with drafting and free agency. Remember, you you could buy a guy's rights straight out of college and knew he was coming to you. You didn't have to go through the whole process of actually developing a guy who may not have been a lottery pick could only
0: eat what's in front of you Eric.
1: I so, listen I agree but we let's let's Celtics is the greatest. They were like 10 for 11, right? What 10 for 12? And the league only had about 14 teams at that time. Come on boy, I me mean, I just I think I the Bulls know, winning man. 6 and 8, dealing with free agency, building it through the draft the way they did, I think that's just different for them. But, but Red, that's not to take anything away from But from Red
0: Auerbach, you. did it with a cigar in his mouth all the whole time. Come on man. He, well, he got... I mean that's it that is impressive cuz they used to drink <laughs> during halftime. So <laughs>
1: that's yeah I, you're right that's that's yeah. similar to like being talking well, and guys drinking during halftime and playing who like, knows, i guess
0: yeah who knows what dennis was doing so maybe he was in it the- i don't i don't think
1: we want to talk about the things dennis was doing <laughs> we we saw some of those things on on uh on a last dance but we know it was completely different time then
0: yeah yeah no definitely definitely Hey uh, and, and, and,
1: since we talked about the park too did you uh again i'm throwing you curveballs right now man um the 30 for 30 oh uh, yeah i watched mistake. it what did you think I, of it?
0: It was, it was dope. It was dope. You know, I played against a lot of those guys before. Um, well, that's why I wanted to get your opinion, because I know you played in a lot yeah, of major yeah. parts in the city. It was, I thought it was dope. And I remember that era. Like, that was a fun era, you know? Um, yeah, that was street ball at its finest. I, I had some more takeaways, but I wasn't prepared for this question. What, what were your thoughts on it while I uh, figured I it out? It
1: was, I thought it was super nostalgic. Uh, yeah, it definitely. Back to, it took me back to a point in my youth. Um, I remember one of the first things when I saw the trailer for the documentary was I was living in Germany for high school. My stepdad was in the army. We were living in Germany. And I remember the first time I saw Anne One Mixtape, shout out to my man Sharif. He, he, he was from Brooklyn. He had brought it back that summer. And that's all we would watch. And I think it was Bobito on the documentary who was like, you know, your friend would borrow the tape for like a whole week. I remember doing that, borrowing the tape for a week. Trying yeah, to learn yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when volume two came out, i would never forget, I made my aunt. I was living in Germany, and I called my aunt. I begged, and I said, you have to go to foot action. I don't care what you buy me from Ann One. I just need the tape. And she ended up buying me like a book bag so I could get the tape.
0: Yeah, I, I remember stuff like I used to watch those tapes. Bobito been on the pod, Skip been on the pod. I played against a lot of those guys, and – when, when volume one was out, I was I was really young, so it was just – that was my first, like – that was my, my first – it wasn't my first exposure because I used to, like, um, dribble my basketball to Dykman before then and stuff and, like, see stuff. But Rucker Park, that was, like, my – a tournament I ended up playing in. Like, that mm-hmm. was my first time, like, seeing it, um, and it was really cool to see, and it kind of – that kind of, like, made me want to play in those – type of tournaments which I ended up doing and so yeah it was definitely inspirational and I thought it was a great documentation of what was going on like I right. talked about skip volume one volume two with a lot of that New Jersey stuff where Wally Dixon was dunking mm-hmm. and then hot sauce came in in three and I was a little bit older at that time and hot sauce really got like everybody playing crazy like so like I think that was the point where it was really hot but it started to go in the other yeah. direction when it was too many tricks, right? Yeah. And then it got, it it got like, way more yeah, gimmicky at that yeah. point. And they talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. They talk. So like AO a- is a good player. Yeah, man. And like all those guys are uh you know. I, I remember play- uh
1: yeah, cause I, I remember AO, I believe on at that point when Anwin actually got on ESPN, they showed when he had his workout at that time when they were still the Seattle Supersonics
0: yeah I mean he played in the d league a little bit yeah what is he, had, called he got, he, yeah. got a, he got
1: an opportunity to run with the, with the Sonics at that point obviously before they became the Thunder. but I thought it was it, I thought it was well put together
0: i, I I've, so i I played against future before you know in open runs I'm not sure if if I played against uh because he was a little bit older than me, but definitely in a lot of open runs and stuff and I remember when I was a little kid, future was playing back then, and he was doing the dance and stuff, like they would just stop the game and hit, he would just start dancing. And they put the music on and like it had nothing to do with the game anymore. Like he just started dancing. And then they go back to hooping. It was funny, man. Those are good times. Those times are like, those times will not be brought back, you know, like just dudes dancing in the middle of a game. Like they they put out that song, sipping on some scissors. I remember (laughs) what song they had on, man. Yeah. Those are the days, man. That was cool. Yeah, man. I,
1: I used to, I used to want to come back home so bad. Just, just to see if I could catch a game at Rucker. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I
0: wore my own Rucker Park jersey on the Veteran Minimum podcast. Shout to them, and nobody even mentioned it on social. Like, oh, that's a dope. I thought people would be like lit, lit off that that I was wearing my Rucker, or my own Rucker jersey. Nobody even peeped it. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, some maybe they ain't, they they ain't recognize. Who knows? Yeah, man. they didn't
0: recognize. Yeah. Uh,
1: Combo, before we wrap though, man, let me know what you got going on. Plug whatever you got going on
0: right now. Oh, Combo's Court Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. So, uh, live shows with Coach Nick. You know, definitely tune it to that. Be I, meant to, I meant to ask you, I
1: missed the last live show. Are you guys going live tomorrow night?
0: We are not tomorrow, but we should be going in the suit in the near future. And that that uh also that playback thing, uh street, that playback stream I was telling you about, we've been doing that. We're not doing it tomorrow, but we did last game actually. So you could always go to um playback and watch our replays there. And hopefully we'll do another one, um, another live stream for the game. But yeah, definitely subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown I, and uh my podcast. i uh, subscribe to Believe in Magic with me and Max Van Alkin. Uh yeah, man. Just working. Just uh you know, once to combo, N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O on Instagram. Combo's court on Twitter. And Everybody you could all, yeah, yeah, and you could catch me here, man.
1: No, we're going to do this again. And We got to get into some more boxing, too. I know you want to get into the combat, so I got sport, I, so I gotta to ask. Some, I
0: got to ask you out? the question. I got to ask you the questions there. So now I don't yeah, have I yeah. sp- I don't have a specific question, but I, I refer to you when it comes to boxing. I don't well, know much. I find no, it no, interesting
1: no. though. Yeah, we're gonna get into it, man. There's, there's there's some good things coming up, and you know we got to see what Tank Davis decides to do moving forward. Obviously, we may get the the major fight we all want to see between Errol Spence and uh, Bud Crawford. So we'll, mm. we'll we'll get into some conversations, man. Spence and, is
0: one of your favorites, right?
1: So I, I have him as the as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. So yeah, he, he's one of my favorites.
0: So you just don't think he's box office?
1: Uh, I think he's becoming that. He just doesn't have that personality. Mm. Um, he speaks with a very thick like southern drawl. So see he, that's it.
0: see that's like the difference between like uh, Jokic and Anthony Edwards, right? Right. Like, like Anthony Edwards, at all, you seen him in uh hustle? Hustle. He, yeah, he killed it. He's amazing in hustle. He plays that role, too. I don't know if
1: that's how he really is,
0: but <laughs> well, he, he played I, that role. If I had to guess, he's like a more positive version of that, I'm sure. Right? I mean, I, he, I'm sure, yeah. He, he's like a less evil version of that, but he's right, that. Right. That's, that's what I would guess. Yeah. He's, he's
1: probably a more polite, sarcastic version of that. Right, like
0: a friendlier like, version of right. that. Exactly, yeah. But
1: I, I liked him in the movie, man, and, and that movie's actually pretty good, too.
0: It is good. It is good. Shouts to them. Yeah. But
1: yeah, we're we going to get together real soon. We'll get something else going, man. For the time being, make sure, if if you guys aren't already, subscribe to Combos Court. Subscribe to The Sanchez Show. Yes, sir. Drew, I'm looking forward to all the episodes you got coming out, man. Keep putting out that great content. Thank you, man. I'm going to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Yes, sir. For My main man, Andrew Salop, again, host of Combos Court. This is The Sanchez Show, man. We out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening
0: to episode 376 of Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into the show. Big shouts to E for having me back on his platform. We appreciate you. And thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Be on the lookout for episode 377. Combo out.